Welcome to Card Slingers, coming to you coast to coast. Hi, I'm Jamie Elford from Portland, Oregon, representing the West Coast. I'm Melissa Sonova, speaking to you from the Midwest here in St. Louis. And I'm Hillary, the New Yorker. We're going to talk about what we like about the cards. And what we don't like. What we're learning. And what we're teaching. It's all about slinging them cards. So today we are talking about the High Priestess which has had a bit of a handle on me for the last four years or so because I keep getting directed to write these books. And it feels like literally someone in the back of my head going, do it, do it, do it, do it. Like that's what it feels like. And I just finished my fourth book. I wrote two books this year because I'm stupid. Um, And I just finished it and I just felt her fingers release me, which is very strange. And now I don't know what to do with my hands. And we were talking about that earlier before we started recording. And Hillary has the high priestess tattooed on her arm. Yeah. So what's that relationship like? (laughs) Well, very similar to what you just described. It's that all the time. Um, I didn't realize when I got my high priestess tattoo that I was also inadvertently uh, tattooing my patron goddess on me at the same time which is Bridget, and I just started uh, votary training, priestess training, to become a priestess of Bridget, and I'm into my third assignment. But all of these connections and correlations come up now, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, that's what that was about in hindsight. So, But um, I love having the high priestess tattooed on me, Um, but the way I see it, everyone else sees her upright, but I see her reversed. And when I look at the high priestess reversed, it's always a reminder to me that every time I haven't trusted my intuition, I've always ended up living to regret it. So, yeah. What does the high priestess mean to you guys? For me, yep. For me, she means a lot of things. Um, We'll probably talk about this in the Empress episode, but that's who, who taps me for books instead of the high priestess for me, it's always the empress, that creative, you know, thing coming out, the muse. But the high priestess is, excuse me, (coughs) darn it. The high priestess for me is all about learning to accept the unknown, to find the stillness and to listen to those very, very little tiny voices that are, that live inside of all of us, whether it is intuition based or something else like voices from others, it's in there, in us. And they, like you said, Hillary, they guide us on the straight and narrow where if we don't listen to them, sometimes bad things happen. So for me, the high priestess is all about just listening. For me, trying to still myself, understand what is going on around me and what is in me and what my sole purpose is supposed to be. I think, at least for me, I always look at how the cards are sitting. So if we look at a Rider Waite Smith, the Empress is sitting on cushions and she all comfy and snug. And the High Priestess is sitting on a stone bench, ramrod straight with her big ass hat on. Like you have to, she's ready for ceremony. Like she's prepared for this is the part where you disrupt my reading and I look up for my scroll and you better have a question and it better be a good one. And then I'll let you know whether or not I want to answer. And it's a very formal kind of reading rather than the Empress. who's like, Oh honey, just come sit down and I'll feed you and everything's cool. You know? And I think that 
treating our intuition with that kind of ceremony can only benefit us, even if it does sound like, at least for me, it feels like, like my mom's in the back of my head going, shouldn't you be writing, honey? And I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. Um, but it, it feels kind of nagging to me, but it's nagging for a purpose. Like every time I go off course, the high priestess always pops up and is like, <clears throat> don't you have shit to do? And she's always right. And it's like you said, if, if I ignore my intuition, it's going to go poorly. Um, and I think that it's easy sometimes to, first you can overdo it with magical thinking for sure. Everything's a sign, everything's a symbol, everything means something and you'll never leave your fucking house, right? But you can also under magical think, <laughs> like you can neglect so many things that are meaningful with, because you haven't built that kind of awareness or, or ceremony around intuition and you just blow it off. And then later you're like, oh, those 27 symbols meant something. Perhaps I should have listened. I think ultimately we ascribe meaning in our own way. And I think the high priestess reminds us, you know, to do that and to not negate what we're hearing, sensing, feeling just because somebody else isn't making that connection doesn't mean that it's not meaningful for you personally. So what are your two's favorite decks for the high priestesses? Do oh you gosh. have any? Oh gosh. I have mine all pulled up. If you want, I can start. No, <laughs> give you two some time. Uh, Jamie did her homework. Check. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was easy for me. This one was really easy for me because I have two decks, but they're very similar in design. And when they both came out, I was like, darn it, I can't do that in any future decks that I want to make. But I love the Steampunk Tarot's High Priestess and the Everyday Witch Tarot High Priestess. They are both... Um, oracles, like actual tarot readers or um, other divination style witches, where they're almost seated at their tables the same way. The steampunk high priestess, she's got a little top hat on with her goggles, one hand on the on a crystal ball, and the other hand's got tarot cards, and then they're scattered around her table. In the everyday witch, we've got the addition of a witch hat, instead of a top hat. We've got books in the background. We've got a black kitty on the table playing with rune stones, but the witch is focused once again on the crystal ball, even though she's got tarot, uh, a five card spread laying to one side. I just, I love that because to me, tarot or the high priestess is also an oracle, somebody that can divine and give you, like Liz said, those messages like, shouldn't you be writing? And we all tap into our high priestess when we pull cards, when we look into our magics, when we decide we want to connect to the energies around us. And the triple goddess, like I said, I wanted to do something like that. But, you know, after two other decks have done it, I'm like, uh, I got to do something different. Instead, I took a more natural approach. I have a um, high priestess who is sitting on a pillow, but she's sitting on her knees, not cross-legged, but just literally on her knees in a pose of meditation between the two pillars but instead of looking at her face on like most cards do i have it from like the goddess point of view where there's a person looking down upon her as she's meditating and receiving her messages and stuff so that's yeah i love the idea of high priestesses as oracles i will always love those cards but for me it's like Liz said it's about listening to the message and receiving it and doing it 
or face the consequences, like Hillary said. I finally remembered mine. Are you proud? So <laughs> totally in Robin Ator's Prairie Tarot there, which I love that deck. It's just wonderful because it, it reminds me a lot of Kansas and of where I grew up and uh, Little House on the Prairie and that kind of like that kind of vibe. And she is kind of like a school marm looking person and she has her hand over a glowing crystal ball and then she has round spectacles that just show light and they just reflect you right back at you and um that one and the high priestess from the raven prophecy tarot by maggie stiefvater is just a hand mirror it's just showing you yourself and i think that i gave a reading one time and i was wearing my aviators which were reflective and this person's like stop looking at me I can see you looking at me and, and all I can see is me looking at me and I don't like it. And I'm like, yeah, that's my job. My job as I sit here reading for you is to be the high priestess and to show you yourself. And it's not always comfortable and you're not going to like it, but it's, that's my job. Be like I, I read people, I show themselves to them so that they can figure out their stuff. And so both of those with the hand mirror and with the like cool ass reflective glasses are are right up my alley so yeah i did my homework <laughs> what you got hill well i'm i can't narrow it down to just one and um unfortunately the tarot card that i based um my high priestess tattoo off of is not from a real tarot deck because there's a lot of artists that um post their art their tarot inspired art online and usually they'll only do the major arcana or some of the major arcana so but that was my favorite high priestess but it's not from a real deck so i can't count that <laughs> but some of the high priestesses that i really like it, one of them is from the dreaming way tarot which i don't generally vibe with that much but i like the high priestess in that deck because she is kind of sitting not straight on, but she's sitting on the moon, on this crescent moon. And um, she's sitting like kind of sideways so she can, you know, sit on that. Um, she does have the scroll in her hands. And then she's wearing these really cute little, almost like Mary Jane-like shoes. And she has this hat that is not necessarily a top hat, but it's not like a regular hat either. It's like conical shaped. Um, and then she's wearing this black dress with little ruffles at the throat and um, on her sleeves. And she's just sitting there looking. So it's like kind of like a casual high priestess, but it is also the high priestess. Like she does have that, I'm drawn to high priestess uh, tarot cards that have that look on their face, you know, like, bitch, you know what you're supposed to do kind of look. <laughs> You walk in here, you ask me this question. You right. already know the fucking answer, and you're going to take me away from my studies. What do you want? What do you want to know? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. TikTok, motherfucker. Yeah. So I love that's, that. that's one of them. And then the other one that I really like, and it's very dreamy because the entire deck is dreamy, is the Star Child Tarot's um, High Priestess. And she's seated. It's, it's very like, it's. It's kind of the same as the Rider-Waite-Smith, but I, I think she is a woman of color, which I like that. Um, and then all of the background is amethysts and jewel tones and lavenders. And instead of having um, like a little black kitty at her feet, she has a, a white 
tiger, I believe, at her feet. And then she's holding the crystal ball in her hand, almost like up to her mouth or up to her face, as if she's like communing with that crystal ball. Like it's whispering to her and she's whispering back. Very, very cool deck all around. But I like that High Priestess too. I love that in all the decks that we've picked, pretty much there has been some sort of divination element or a look, that, that look of, you better do this. Or the real question is, you already know what to do. Are you going to do it? You know, type of thing from the different priestesses. Yeah, and I mean, some of them have um, the crescent moon um, underneath, underneath the throne. And some of them have the high priestess's foot on top of that crescent moon, which always signified to me like mastery of intuition. mastery of that kind of lunar essence to it, which I really like. And I have, I'm uh, in the Llewellyn Almanac for next year. I have a spell in that has the high priestess in it. And I got to kind of describe what I wanted her to look like, but I haven't seen it yet. So I have this idea in my head of someone leaning forward with her elbows on her knees and reflective sunglasses, like kind of staring down the person looking at the card going, what do you want? And I th- I can't wait to see what that will look like because in my head, she's kind of a badass. So um, I think that what the high priestess has taught me is to trust myself beyond anything else, beyond any of the magician's lessons, beyond trusting that leap of faith with the fool. Like the high priestess has taught me that little voice inside me is fucking correct. And I need to honor it and pay attention. And that was a hard lesson to learn for show. And it's not about making snap judgments either. I want to caution people who, who think that, that, oh, well, you know, your first impression is usually the correct one. Well, no, not necessarily. That's not really what we're talking about when we're talking about intuition. You know, there is that feeling. Um, I think it's associated with claircognizance, where it's just like you just know. You just know deep in the pit of your stomach or your gut or wherever else you experience that bodily sensation that reminds you your intuition is talking. Like, you just no, that's different than making a snap judgment about a person, place, or situation. So, It's like you know a good melon. Or like when we met and we were like, well, clearly we're going to be friends. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we are. <laughs> There's also um, some other tarot decks that... Uh, Normally you have like, there's, there's a screen behind the high priestess and of of pomegranates, like the pattern on it is pomegranates. Um, But if you pulled aside that screen, you actually see like the moon temple. You see the elements of the other tarot major arcana card of the moon behind the high priestess. So you, you definitely have that connection with the moon, the lunar energy um, in certain tarot decks. If you pull aside that screen, you, you see the moon card, which I really like about it. It's just the best. I love that card. I'm glad we talked about it. It's a good one. <laughs> and actually while we're thinking about it, you said something to me, Melissa, um, at one of your classes that um, if you are a tarot reader, you really shouldn't be reading as like an empress. Like I'm not the empress with my clients. I'm the high priestess. Mm -hmm. 
So, and that to me, like really hit me at that very moment, you know, like, oh, oh, that's right. Like I can nurture my clients, but I'm not the empress to them. I am the high priestess. Mm -hmm. So, and I just think it's really interesting that Jamie kept on repeating, you know, like there is divination in pretty much all of the high priestess cards that we just talked about today. Yeah, legit. I think that we do a disservice when we allow the client reader relationship to blur too much because they didn't come to you for snuggles. You know, they came to you for answers. And sometimes you have to remove yourself from the relationship in order to give good answers because they got other people to snuggle on them. They have very few people, you know, to, to hear some clarity. Here's where you're fucking up. Here's what you can do to make it better. And if you think about it in, in my life, I have maybe three people who will do that in my life you know, and it's the rare person who can see you with absolute clarity and say, this is where you're screwing up. This is what needs to be fixed. So if you're doing a reading for somebody, that's your job. You know, your job is to help them see themselves very clearly. And it's not always comfortable, but it's important. Most of the time it's not comfortable. No, it isn't. (laughs) If you feel feel entirely comfortable when you're getting a reading or giving a reading, it's probably not uh, a life changing (laughs) reading for you. No. (laughs) Giving hard advice is is hard even as a reader. And another aspect to this though is that when readers give readings, to me it's not my thing to remember your reading. You know, again, that oracular thing, we come through with intuition and then we release it and move on to the next thing. I don't want to hold on to my client's shit. I don't want to hold on to, you know, their stuff further than I either have to engage with them either the next session or the next reading. Mm-hmm. But like at party readings, I get people, you know, 15, 20, sometimes a hundred people deep. And then somebody like maybe the first person comes up and says, Hey, you know that reading you gave me? I completely forgot it. Can you tell me it again? It's like, no, I nope. can't. I've had, I've had like 90 readings behind you. I don't, I don't even remember your face. So, the moment yeah. has passed. The very first question I ask anybody who I get a reading from is, have I read for you before? Because I don't know. Because I do generally between five and 10 readings a week and have done for about 30 years. And I don't, as soon as I give the reading, it's gone. It is gone. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, you read for me because I was in business with these two people. And I was like, kind of rings a bell. Let's just start from scratch because I have no freaking clue. Yeah. But it's, it's not my reading. It's not of me. It's through me. You know, it's channeled somehow from wherever this information comes from to the reader or to the client. And then it's gone. It's not mine. And if I start carrying them around, it's going to get awful heavy, awful fast. Um, Nancy Antonucci, I believe. The Nooch. The Nooch. Yes. Um, She mentions this in um, her book, Psychic Tarot. And if you haven't read it, you should really pick it up. It's a great book. But she calls it sacred amnesia. And so, and I'm just like, oh, that's, that's a thing. Okay, cool. And now I have a phrase to describe it because I always thought like, oh, is my mind just a sieve? And I can't remember these details. And it's because I'm not meant to remember them. The clients are meant to remember them. Not yeah, me. and if they don't, and sometimes I have this happen where I'll give somebody a reading. I have this one woman, she just pissed me off because she was like arguing with me during the reading. And I'm like, I don't, you're wasting your own time and and money arguing with me. This is what I see. I'm going to tell you what I see. So she called back and hadn't done anything that I invited her to try and uh, was started arguing with me again. So I fired her 
as a client. And the reason I gave her for firing her is because I, I said, you don't want answers. You want to be right. So you can be right without me. I don't need to be here for you to be right. So congratulations. You're right. Bye. We're done here. <laughs> like, but it was completely negating. It was like walking up to, you know, the oracles at Delphi and going, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here and tell you how right I am. And then I'll give you your offering and leave. And I'm like, that's not my fucking job. Don't argue with me. It's a, it's a good play on the, on like the phrase, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Yeah. Well, she, was, she was correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. She right. wanted it's to like, be validated in her incorrect state of mind. And that's not my job. So after the second time she called, I'm like, we're done. You don't need to call me anymore. But I really like you. And I'm like, mm, I know I'm really likable, but this is not my job. <laughs> it's not no, my job I mean, to be adorable. So, yeah. Clients, you know, people that come to us, they have to remember that they want a question answered. Sometimes they already know that answer to the question because, again, tuition and deep down knowing. And validation is so and, important. And, yeah, and, and validation. I mean, there are two two types. I tell my clients there are two types of ratings. So the ones that if you don't give me a really good, clear kind of question, it's kind of like the universal validation of, yeah, you're on the right path. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, things are fine. Give a pat on the back. Here's a cookie and move on. The other ones I find come from goals or really, really good questions that are not like, will he come back? You know, the things of where, how can I get from this state of mind to this state of mind or from this job to this position somewhere in there? And that's where you get a lot of the cool clarity, the cool brainstorming creativity out of it. And it's, you know, so much more fun to see. But again, also... And I stress this, it's all on the reader to take the notes or something. Granted, we have this wonderful device that we're recording on right now, Zoom, that allows us to record sessions. So I do record sessions for my clients, but I delete them after 48 hours. Because again, I don't want to be the keeper of everybody's stuff, everybody's secrets. You know, I'm not in it for that. And if we're embodying the high priestess, she doesn't have room on the altar or on her little throne thing to keep other people's shit. She has room for her. And her robes, and that's it. Yeah, and also the, that scroll. That scroll is the, um, I believe some people interpreted it as the Akashic Records. She knows how to read that scroll, but that sh she's not the secretary. She's not the storage device for that scroll. She knows how to read it, you know? So she's got yeah, a man. filing cabinet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like, we should make t-shirts to say the high priestess, not a filing cabinet. And then let other people wonder what the hell we're talking about. But it totally makes sense. We can I make it for it. the podcast. Yeah. For the podcast. Merch. Yeah. <laughs> Not your fucking filing cabinet. All right. <laughs> Handle your own shit. Yeah. I like that. So that's HP in a nutshell. Not a filing cabinet. Nailed it, Hillary. Well done. Yeah. Um, I think next time, I don't know what we're going to talk about next time, but it's going to be good. And it's going to be very poignant. It's going to have lots of feelings involved. Um, it's probably going to be terror related or like adjacent and um, it's going to be fucking rad. So we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us uh, at Cardslingers Coast to Coast. You can check out more episodes at cardslingerscc.podbeam.com and please send us your questions at cardslingerscc at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.